At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. So House Call Pro is something a lot of techs are using to keep themselves organized because their business has implemented it into their daily routine for scheduling and dispatching. Well, forward-thinking business owners are taking their, their business paperless if they haven't done so already because it's way more organized and it keeps everything kind of streamlined. And as I've said in the podcast prior, the technician can take payment from the door, which is very, very helpful. They can send a text to the customer from their previous job site to let them know when they'll be there. So there's, there's a good communication aspect involved as well. So technicians love this. That's very important to me that a technician loves house call pro because when I talk about it and I know other techs use it, that means other techs are going to get use out of it and enjoy it. If their company decides to use it anyway, guys, there's three months up for grabs at 50% off. If you go to housecallpro.com forward slash HVAC know-it-all. Check it out. Welcome, welcome. We are back with another podcast. And listen, before we get into it, I found out something last week that I thought was interesting. So on Facebook, I have people that post to the visitor section on my Facebook page, and then I share those posts to the main feed. So if ever you guys want to do that, you're more than welcome if you're on Facebook as long as the content is going to be useful to the audience. So this was a homeowner looking for information on a model number of a, of a machine. Now, I don't post homeowner stuff, but I thought it's it was Canadian Thanksgiving. I'm like, this guy needs some help. Let's just do it this once and, and try to get him some help. So what I found out was that if you have a Copeland scroll compressor and the label fades away, what you can do is peel it back and there's another label in behind it that has the compressor information. I didn't know that. I just found that out. And that, that's very cool and very useful for anybody that might be in the boat of trying to figure out what kind of compressor they got. So that was a useful tidbit. I learned and I'm just going to pass that on to you guys. So on the podcast today, we have a gentleman by the name of Dave Elliott. He is from Indiana in the U.S., and Dave and I are going to have a very open, honest, organic discussion on sort of safety, health, well-being within the trade. And Dave is going to talk about a health issue that came he came across with, with himself recently and, and how he's tackling that. We're going to talk about how when you're young, right, you feel sort of invincible. When you're in your early 20s, mid-20s, you're strong, you're energetic you have this this world in front of you when you get to the point of being in your late 30s early 40s you start to feel your body really changing as as you go I mean as you're doing more physical activities at the end of the day you can feel your back or your knees or something starting to hurt so my advice to you guys right now before you start listening and by the way we are not experts in health or wellness so anything we say don't take it into account and say, hey, this is uh, this is what they said, 
So we got to do this. We are just having a discussion on things that we've done, we've tried, we've experienced. Okay. So you guys in your, in your twenties, okay. Even if you're late, you're late teens, start preserving your body. Now don't wait until you're older to start making the changes, preserve your body now. Okay. And don't let, um, your boss or a lead journeyman make you do things that you feel are unsafe or could jeopardize your health in any sort of way. I know that's hard to do when you're on the job. It really, really is. Especially if you're, you're not a senior person within, within that company or on that site, but you really got to think about you and the longevity of your body. Because if you want to be working till 50, 60, um, in the field, you need to keep your body up to a certain standard of health and wellness. Anyway, let's get to Dave right now, guys. This is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. Dave, how are you? Good. Good. Awesome, man. So uh, you're, you're one of the, those guys that I, I just contacted out of the blue and said, hey, you want to be <laughs> part of the podcast? And you said yes. So I got to thank you for that. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm a big fan. I've listened to all your podcasts, so uh, you really well, put hope, up good hopefully, stuff. Hopefully, the you uh, kind of you plugged your ears during the earlier ones because the audio was terrible, as as I've I, as I've said many times. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not so much the audio as it is the content. Yeah, content that's true. Content is king, right? So you um you got something that you, you, you brought up just briefly before we hit record and, and that's, that's health. And, and you said fast food and it kind of struck a nerve with me because that is something that a lot of techs are doing is they're, they're going out for lunch and they're hitting the drive through because they got no time to stop and, and eat a proper lunch if they're not bringing one. So maybe you want to touch on that and, and what you were going to talk about. Yeah, sure. Uh you know, I've been in this trade for 30 years and, uh, you know, I worked for a residential company, slight commercial for about 12 years and then moved to where I live now and worked for another company for a couple of years. And then I actually went to work for a fast food organization, uh, take care of about 22 stores. And that's where really was kind of the demise, you would think. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to get away from it when it's free. And then, you know, back in July, uh, you know, I've been doing regular uh, checkups. Uh, I've, I've dealt with the high blood pressure, you know, the stress of everyday job like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Five years. And uh, my last checkup, the blood work, it was like, hey, uh, you're going to need to go see a dietitian. Uh, you've tested for type two diabetes and, uh, you know, so it, uh, some people could say it's a bad thing. It, honestly, for me, it's, 
I'm not going to say it's a blessing in disguise, but it really is. I, uh, you know, I've, I've lost about 26 pounds since, uh, you know, I have, have my glucose level where it should be close for me and, uh, just feeling a lot better. Uh, you know, I just turned 48. So I, uh, honestly just kind of thought I was getting older and getting tired and didn't really realize how bad off I was because um, with the diabetes, my sugar, my blood pressure was actually running up in the 150 range again. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you kind of get, you know, I've got stuff to test it and uh, you kind of get lazy with it and don't think about it and just, you know, you're living day to day life uh, everything is go here, go there as fast as you can. So, but, uh, yeah, it was a big wake up call. So, you know, my, my dad had some health issues, heart problems when he was probably younger than I am now. So, uh, it's kind of, it was my wake up call, I guess you'd say. Yeah, that's, it's good that you got it. A lot of people, they hit this sort of, age where, where they're in their mid forties and, and they have some sort of a wake up call with, with a health issue. And, and like you said, it's kind of a bless, blessing in disguise because if, if you didn't have that wake up call and you just ignored it, then who knows what could happen, right? You could oh, yeah. end up in the hospital for weeks at a time, or you could end up worse. Um, and, and, and nobody wants, nobody wants that. No, nobody's family wants that. So it's, it's very important to, to stay as healthy as you can. And, and the thing is, it takes, it takes you getting to an age, a certain age to realize that, Hey, my, my own mortality here is, is something that I need to think about a little bit more. When you're young, when you're in your twenties, you don't think about that. And these, these kids on, on job sites that are, are doing things that they shouldn't be doing, like lifting heavy things way too heavy than they should be. Eventually that's going to come back and, and, catch up to them like the knees the back uh the neck the 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 hips all of that stuff is going to creep up on you at some point if you're not careful you're exactly right it sure will uh even like when you start talking about doing the lifting uh you know a sidetrack to that is just doing something that's safe i mean i, I can remember back in my 20s uh going up on gymnasiums to extend two extension ladders side by side, carrying up a compressor with another guy. And I mean, one false move and we're both going, going down. So, I mean, it's just, when you're young, you feel so invincible. And when you get in your forties, you really, you get really lax on stuff. I mean, it's, it's not like you're not working hard or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, you know, I'm going to work out. I mean, you know, I have a pretty much a, a whole personal gym at home. And I had an excuse every night why I didn't go down there and actually use it. Mm-hmm. And it just, uh, you just, I don't want to really say you get lazy, but you just get. Uh, you get complacent. Complacent, exactly. Yeah, you, you just you just get comfortable. And mm-hmm. when you're comfortable and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll just watch another uh I'll just I'll just binge watch another series on Netflix. It's not gonna yeah. it's not gonna harm me. And 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 I find like before COVID, 
so I, I've always been somebody that likes to go to the gym since my late teens, early twenties and life kind of catches up and you don't get to go as much, but I started to go again just before COVID hit. And I found, I found getting out of the house to do it was, was motivating for me because when I got into the gym and it's just a whole bunch of workout people, there's no distractions. There's no, Oh, those dishes over there need to be clean or, Oh man, see, the baseboards need to be painted. You're not, you're not seeing all that stuff. You're away from the house. And I find that that helps me get motivated is, is going somewhere else to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I've had some gym memberships before. No, I think that you're right. Uh, you know, anything that you designate a time for and actually follow through, I think, you know, is really helpful. Um, but you know, like you say, just, you know, all the guys really need to think about just, you know, maybe, I mean, my workouts are probably 45 minutes to an hour, uh, five, maybe six days a week. Um, and, you know, I, I know what I thought, just like most of the guys think, well, I'm carrying refrigerant tanks up ladders, uh, you know, our veto bags, you know, our bigger bags probably weigh 60, 70 pounds. Uh, you know, we're juggling things up and down, you know, we're getting workouts and we're walking, but uh, it's amazing what your body can get used to. And just, you know, doing a little bit of a treadmill or doing a stair stepper machine or, uh, you know, lifting some weights. It's amazing what it does to your body and how much mm-hmm. it makes you feel so much better. Oh, it does. It does. And, and I know like there, there's people that get up at five in the morning and they go to the gym before they, they head off to work. And, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's, that's commitment because I mean, mm-hmm. at the same, at the same time, you still need to get a good rest. So if, if you can get a good rest and wake up, if you can go to bed at 9.30 and fall asleep by 10 and you're up at 5, I mean, that's seven hours. I mean, it's not it's not the eight or eight hours, but some people can live off six, seven hours of sleep, no problem. There's there's people out there that can do it. But for me, man, I need I need a good eight-hour sleep or I feel terrible. So, I mean, I'm usually asleep by 10, you know what I mean? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm up around six-ish and then, and then I start my day. So, um, I prefer going to the gym at night for, for myself. Yeah. Uh, it's usually, uh, I'm usually at nine o'clock, 9 PM, somewhere around there's when I'll start. Uh, I'm kind of in that group that doesn't sleep a whole lot. I normally stay up till about 11 and get up at five every day. So, um, uh, just kind of gotten used to that, but, um, uh, sure. It's probably not as good for me as what, you know, a good eight hours would be. Uh, I uh, have gotten, you know, a few responses from people that say, hey, you know, actually a few are like, did you just come off vacation? Because you don't look near as tired. Like, you know, you look well, well rested. And uh, you kind of think, wow, you know, what, what was I doing to myself? And, uh, you know, how did I let myself get, get to that point? Mm-hmm. Back to the food. I mean, it's, uh, it's a lot of what you put in your body is, uh, you know, causes a lot of the issues um, you know the the carbs which is a big thing for me but it's a lot for everybody it's um, you know the sugary drinks and the energy drinks are a little scary I don't I've never really drank those but uh, you know I've read some of the ingredients and it's like wow you know those can't be that healthy 
Yeah. For, for, I, I stay away from those totally. I, I drink for me, I'll drink like a black coffee in the morning and then the rest of the day is just water. And perhaps if, if I'm feeling sluggish, I might have a coffee in the afternoon, but there's no sugar. There's no cream. Um, sometimes I, I, the odd, I wouldn't say the odd, but maybe a couple times a week I, I fast, like I don't eat until like maybe two o'clock or something like that in the day. And, mm -hmm. and, and I find that that helps with keeping my metabolism up. And, and I know there's studies out there about intermittent fasting and, and how it kind of awakens the, the animal instincts of like your, your survival instincts within, within your body, because now you feel hungry. So your survival instincts with your natural survival instincts within your body start to kick in. And so this is an example. So when I was on holiday in July for a week, I basically sat for the whole week and drank beer and ate burgers, like barbecue food and stuff like that. And, and I gained like six or seven pounds just in that week. And then going back to work in two weeks of doing like the, of, of, because I walk a lot at work because I got big buildings that have a lot of uh, back and forth to the, to the van. And when you go to the van, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's a long walk. So mm -hmm. back and forth, back and forth to here and there and just fasting um, to like two o'clock, a couple times a week, I find really, really helps maintain my weight. Um, cause I'm usually around like 189 ish. Um, that's usually the weight that I'm stable at. And then I know if I hit like 193, it's because I'm not moving enough. I'm sitting too much or I'm overeating or I've, I've drank too much beer that weekend or something like that because I was up at the, the trailer park with, with all my buddies and the family and everybody's having a few beers. So that's, I, I just find if, if I get away from that for a couple of weeks, I'm right back to normal. So exercise for me, it does help and it. And it does, it does show, um, that it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's, anyway. You know, it's, I've always kind of like, I worked out in high school quite a bit. So, I mean, I've always had, weight equipment or been, you know, involved in, uh, have memberships at gyms. So, uh, really no excuse. I just kind of let myself go. And then I wasn't really paying attention to so much of, uh, the bad carbs that, you know, you really don't realize it until you start actually looking what you eat. And, uh, you know, I've eradicated all that stuff and I feel, I feel like I was 40 again instead of 48. So, so it's been really good. Yeah. And, and you know what I th find helps too? And we don't have to talk about this the whole podcast. But <laughs> I find that um, whenever I start taking supplements like uh, a daily vitamin and some fish oils and stuff like that, I find after a few days, I feel way better. Just, just energy level in, in, in general. And, and I feel like fish oil is really good for like your brain and function and stuff like that. And I feel like I can think, uh, a lot clearer and I don't have as, as, as much of a foggy mind. Um, when, when I'm taking the, the fish oils, the omega threes, mm -hmm. uh, you, ever, you ever tried those? Yeah, I actually take those, uh, two different multivitamins and some zinc mm -hmm. and then, uh, like an iodine. Yep. Um, uh, so, yeah, I pretty much are trying to hit on those. I I find if I take those, I really don't get colds very much through the winter. Yeah. I mean, it really helps my immune system. So that's, that's, that's true. Yeah, you take care of your immune system. 
Um, and today I was, <laughs> it was funny that you said immune system. It reminded me, um, I've been looking for ways myself to be as healthy as I can be. Like, obviously once in a while, you're going to make a bad decision. Um, nobody's perfect, but if, if you make a choice to be healthy, you try to make that choice as, to be healthy as many times as possible. And I, I downloaded an app today and I'm like, it, I forget, I forget what it's called, but it's, it was one of those like meditating type apps right? And mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to just check it out to see what it was like. Instead of like watching TV at night, maybe put that on and just see what it does. So on my way home, I'm listening to it. Um, it was called, I think this it was called an immune booster or something like that. And it was actually pretty calming. Like I shouldn't have done it while I was driving because I got a little bit too, too calm. <laughs> the guy's like, oh, close your eyes. But obviously I was going to close my eyes, but I was doing the breathing exercises along as he was he was um, counting them out and stuff like that and and just kind of envisioning what he was saying to do. Like, he's like, yeah, imagine every breath you take, every breath you take, your your white blood cells are getting um, an explosive dose of energy and and that energy is, is going and killing off viruses. And you're, you're supposed to kind of imagine this in your head. And, it, and I don't know, it was, it was just something, an, an exercise to try out. And I, and I found it, it was relaxing. Like, I don't know if, if I did it at night, it would be a different experience, but I'm open to many different things as I get older to try to maintain my wellness. I I really am. Just a quick break guys. So have you guys seen Navax digital scale? Well, it's got a, like a spring loaded compartment in the scale itself where the remote display case kind of sits. So you push it in, it, it sort of injects and you can grab it and pull it out. And it almost looks like a like an old school TV remote. It's it's really kind of unique and, and I like the look of it. And there's all kinds of features on that. So you need batteries for the, the scale and the remote and then they connect to each other once you turn them both on. And you can kind of put that that handheld device anywhere you want within range and read what's happening on the scale and the amount of gas you've recovered or that you're charging into a system. I really like the scale. It comes in a bag that's very compact with a strap. You can carry it up to the roof or in, into the into a, a building or the side of a house, whatever you want. So digital scale guys by Navac, it's really cool. So, so check it out. The blue on app guys, obviously I can't say enough about it. It's got tons of information, unit manuals, conversion instructions, 24-7 free tech support through the app with anything cooling. So guys, check out the Blue On app if you're looking to download an app that's going to help you out in the HVAC field. So Testo, now I get a lot of questions about should I go digital manifold or should I go smart probes? It's really tough to say because I use both. I use both sort of, um, I wouldn't say 50-50, but I use both. Like I usually pull out the manifold for charging and evacuation when any of that's happening. And then it's, it's out there for testing when the unit gets fired back up. But if it's just a service call, right. And there's something wrong with the machine, then I'll go for the smart probes because they're a lot easier to carry up a lot lighter um, and throw them in my tool bag or I can keep them in the case that it comes with. So it's really up to you guys, how you want to roll. If you do a lot of charging and a lot of, um, and a lot of recovery on your jobs, then I would suggest going with the manifold. But if you're just looking to do them on service calls, then for sure the smart probes would be your go-to on that one. 
TrueTech Tools, guys, the tools I've just talked about are available at TrueTech Tools using promo code KNOWITALL, which will save you 8% on your purchase. Now, one cool thing about, if you guys seen my conversion over to TDX2458A uh, a little while ago, I used the Danfoss valve. It's a TU stainless steel valve, and I'm going to do a little bit of a demo so you guys can understand how it works. So the valve comes basically on its own with no cartridge or orifice inside so that gives you the ability to braze it in without wrapping it up okay you don't have, you can disclude that step which saves you a little bit of time and then when you're done once everything's cooled you put the cartridge which has the orifice inside of it and that's the TU valve from Danfoss and I'm going to do a bit of a demo on that because uh, I have a valve and I have an orifice at home that I'm going to show you guys exactly how it goes together anyway let's get back to Dave That's cool. The uh, that's I mean you bring that up. I, I do quite a bit of traveling. I mean it's not nothing for to go an hour this way or two hours this way or even a little further sometimes. Yeah. And uh, you know it's you stop for gas or something. It was always well grab a you know even like some uh, you know some kind of snack like some chewy fruit or something. But I mean. Uh, uh, you know, I've started just listening to a lot of different podcasts and I find that just kind of gets, you know, you get involved with that, your phone kind of goes to the wayside. So you're not being distracted by that driving also. And, uh, it's amazing. Some of the stuff you can learn. Uh, there's a lot of like yours, there's a lot of good HVAC podcasts or a lot of just podcasts in general in life that, you know, are really, really good to listen to. Yeah, there are a lot. And we, we live in a, a good day and age for that. And, and also eBooks. I've, I've been into eBooks lately and, and I've tried out a few and, and I'm really enjoying those as well. Sometimes they get a little bit bland just because the author is just reading in kind of like a monotone the whole time. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I've, I've listened to a couple and, and I found them pretty good. But let's um, let's talk about since since we're on the the topic of health, let's let's kind of move that towards sort of uh, an HVAC sort of related topic when it comes to it's still related to health. But what about safety on the job? Well, that's very important. Uh, you know, like say probably the most dangerous thing we do is go up an extension ladder. Um, you know. I probably pay a lot more attention at my age now than what I did back in my twenties when I probably honestly could just run right up one mm -hmm. with tools in tow. But, uh, you know, I, I pay a lot of attention now to, uh, you know, going up and down the roofs, still carrying veto bags and tanks and, and gauges. And, uh, you know, you go up into, you know, step off onto another ladder to go up to another higher point. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, being aware. I mean, you talk about safety. Uh, you know, one time I kind of got careless. I was, uh, changing out a water heater and I'd set the old heater to the side and was hurrying, wasn't paying any attention and kind of stepped back. Well, I'd left some of the copper piping on the old heater 
and that one pipe just barely, I mean, it could, you know, it was an inch away from taking my eye out probably. So that, that was probably like a wake up call about seven or eight years ago that that happened. It's like, whoa, <laughs> you gotta always be watching your awareness of where you're at, what you're working around. Um, so that was a pretty scary moment for me that, you know, could have really permanently damaged my eye and over something so silly, just in a hurry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, you brought up a good point about extension ladders. I despise them. I, I can't stand extension ladders. And I remember being an apprentice and doing some nut bar things on them because I was in fear of not doing my job. And, and, and it sucks because when you're young and you don't really have, you haven't really built up a rep yet w within the company or the trade. You, you just kind of do whatever you're told in order to, to, to build up your rep. And I remember hanging off, put, putting uh, extension ladders up on like the, the rafters or the beams of like a warehouse and holding on with one hand and trying to repair a unit heater with the other. And I was terrified the entire time. Like th these are things I do not do now. And if I see anybody doing that, if I see anybody attempting that, I'm like, nope, you're not doing that. Not, not when I'm here because, um, I, I, I can't see this. I, I can't see you doing this because it's going to freak me right out. You're going to get down. We're going to get the proper lift in here for you guys or for me or you to get up to that, to that heater or whatever it is. Hmm. Yeah. Another good story. Uh, this was back probably 20 years ago. We were at a grocery store. They, uh, this was a time when a lot of the grocery stores were starting to put like little uh, banks or something in the front. Uh, this one was going to be a bank and uh, we'd done the HVC for it and uh, it come time to set the condenser. Well, we'd got everything done to that point and uh, the guy I was working for was always impatient. So he's like, well, let's get the duck lifter, all the sections on there and the cable and see if we can lift it up there. And, you know, we're about probably three foot short of getting it to the top of the roof to where you can get to it. So here he's going back to the shipping area and brings back skids and you know, all because he didn't want to wait on the crane. That's only like an hour or two hours away. And, you know, he's got the unit on the skids going up. And people, the only thing that probably saved us where people were starting to get out and take pictures. Uh, there was a couple of people that had cameras in their cars and were taking pictures. And he's like, well, maybe this is kind of a bad idea. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, the idea there was we were going to lift, a, it was like a five-ton condenser, which at the time wasn't huge. This is before, you know, before the uh, the big sear rating increases on the coils, but uh, it was still a big unit to be reaching off of the roof, kind of, on a deck lifter to pull back in. You know, I mean, the unit could have went, we could have went, and probably fell right on top of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, th these these kind of things, like I'm envisioning as as you're talking, and these kind of things 
scare me and, and it's starting it's starting to, <laughs> i'm starting to get flashbacks of all these unsafe things i did as uh as a young kid in the trade and, and i'm thinking and and you know how i you know how i gauge this stuff now i i got kids i got three boys and i'm thinking what if a business owner that my kid was working for made him do that i would i would be fuming you know what i mean I would not, I would not accept it. I would go in, like if my son was 20 or 21 and impressionable and and would just do what he's told and he's told to do unsafe things like the, some of the stuff that, that I did because I thought I had to do to make my, to make my mark. There's, I'd be marching into that office and laying, laying, (laughs) laying, (laughs) laying something down because that's, that's not right. I I remember going up on a, a scissor lift and I think this was my decision. It was outside and we were trying to get this, this power washer. It was like a steam, steam cleaner because we had these coils that were just getting just matted with, um, oils and stuff from this factory. Uh, they, they made potato chips and like, I guess when they're deep frying the potatoes, the, the stacks of the oil coming out, would get stuck to the coils and every year it would be, it would be a mission to clean these things. And we ordered this big steam lift and I remember having it go up on it. We, we got the, uh, the scissor lift to go up to the height of the roof. Like, so it was sort of flush with the roof and I'm pushing this big, huge thing off the scissor lift onto the roof. The scissor lift is teetering and tottering. And I'm like, Oh my God, like I should not be doing this. Right. And, and when you think back to, to those times, you think of how lucky you actually were to make it through that because anything could have happened anything oh yeah yeah i can remember you started mentioning about big buildings and stuff uh i used to take care of this grocery uh distribution center and the unit heaters he's talking about those i can remember getting sent out there and well there'll be a guy with a fork truck and a skid to lift you up and you know i did it back then and like you said i mean uh you know, it's not much for a skid to bounce around or what if the boards on the skid wasn't, you know, nailed well or, you know, just anything could have happened. But, you know, back then I just did it. I didn't really know any better. Uh, you know, I thought, well, if, you know, I don't want to admit that I'm scared, I guess. So you just do it and kind of go on. And uh, luckily I survived. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Terrible practices, uh, going back, thinking about some of the things that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and here in um, Ontario, we put, um, that's called working at heights. It was put into place a few years back, and it's it's mandatory for anybody that works at, at heights. So it's, it's a course that you need to go on, and you get certified, and they teach you about different things like rope grabs and how to put on a harness properly, and how how you how you when and where to build uh like a a barrier um around a a platform that you're working on that might like say you're working in construction and it's a high-rise building like you have to build barriers around the the where the fall is right where Mm -hmm. the potential fall is and you you just learn about stuff like that and it's interesting and, and you do you do learn some things and the thing is, and and it's so, it's so hard in real life sometimes 
So for instance, like how many times have we stood at the side of a building and roped up our tools? How many times have we done that? Ton, oh. ton, tons and for, for the guys in commercial. And, and we have a rule that we're not supposed to be within six feet of the roof edge without being tied off. But the problem is these buildings don't put any tie off points in to tie off to. Like if you're just there for the day doing service, I guess if you're there doing a big construction job, they will they will implement these things into into this. But for a guy there going to do service and change some filters or whatever for a day, there's no tie off points to stand at the edge of the roof and and rope something up. Which I it kind of baffles my mind that these rules are put in place, but these buildings are not mandated to put structural tie off points at at, at the edge of the building. Yeah, it's crazy. It's uh, amazing, really, that they don't. As I, I think back, um, like all the big stores and different things that you know, you just throw an extension ladder, and usually your extension ladder just barely got to the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, you could take a bungee cord up there and maybe try to strap on to some gutter or something, but. Uh, it's not like it was really that secure. Nope. I, I actually had, I'm sure, uh, I want to say like three instances where the ladder actually blew off. And this was before cell phones. So, oh. <laughs> you know, you're yelling yep, you're for at people. <laughs> you know, can you go get somebody to go inside the store and get a manager? You know, this was like, this where that happened twice was at a grocery store uh, about an hour away from where I lived. And it was always really windy there. And uh, I had one blow off twice there. There's no, nowhere, the way the roof was built, there was just nothing to tie to. No gutter, just, it was just kind of like more or less a flat roof that just had a little bit of uh, drainage to the back and just nothing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 a scary thought when when you actually sit and think about how dangerous these things are. And and I I've gone up on on a on a skid on a fork truck many times. Like ah, oh, we got this skid here. We'll just we'll just take you up on the fork truck. Do you guys have a cage? No, no, it's, we don't have a cage. We, <laughs> yeah. we we do it all the time. We do it all the time when we go up there and light the pilots. Back back in the day, that that's mainly what I was going on the skid for was to to be raised up to light the pilot on the old style mm-hmm. Uniheat, right? But yeah. I'm I'm glad now that safety is changing, and sometimes it's it's a real pain in the ass. It 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 is um, some of the the procedures that you're made to go through, but really in the end, it's it's for your own benefit, and it might might take a job a little bit longer. But at the end of the day, it really is for your own benefit to keep safe. Yeah, that's very true. And, you know, there's been instances where, you know, guys that listen to this that, you know, they've had jobs where somebody got killed. And, you know, you don't want to be in that position to where that's what changes how you do things for the rest of your life by being on a job, losing somebody. Um now, I was on a job once. Um, they were putting a new Duralast roof on, and it had like a short parapet wall. This was like an old schoolhouse, and it was like probably an 18-inch parapet wall. Well, 
he had a tape measure and he was walking backwards and totally lost where he was at, I guess, and just walked himself right off the right off the uh, roof. Oh, geez. And it was like, let's say, forty five foot to the ground. Wow. So he he lived, but uh, you know he's never walked again, unfortunately. Yeah, these are the things that it's it's very unfortunate that that happened to him, but these are also the things that people need to hear in order to get it through their their head. And and I mean I I'm not going to say I'm the safest person in the world because sometimes I I'll, I'll be brazing and I'll be like oh crap I'm not wearing I'm not wearing uh, safety glasses. Or, you know, you know what I mean? It's, it's just, oh, yeah. I'm going to lift, I'm going to lift this heat exchanger up, but oh crap, I forgot to put my gloves on. So there, there's instances where you just kind of, you're not really thinking in the moment and you just do things. So, I mean, sometimes you just got to stop. You got to like, okay, make sure that I got my gloves on, make sure I got my, my, uh, my glasses on. And I mean, those, those are very easy to do, like put on gloves and glasses and like, protect your hands and protect your eyes. And, and that's very easy to do. And just just be conscious. I, I think the most important part of safety to me is to be aware and to be um, present and to be conscious of what's around you and respect the dangers that are around you. Because as soon as you become complacent on a job and you start disrespecting the dangers, that's when you get hurt. That's when um, you you can seriously damage your, yourself. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's just, you just got to be conscious. You got to be awake yes, at all times. Very, very true. Yeah. You know, and we do in the trade so much. I mean, I, uh, I'm a licensed electrician too. And, you know, a lot of HVAC guys change breakers, uh, you know, they're inside panels, they're running circuits, uh, you know, that, that's another thing that's kind of overlooked safety wise of, you know, getting in a hurry, uh, you know, especially you get into the commercial side of it where, um, you know, a lot of times the HVAC contractor will just, well, I'll put the breaker in, uh, you know, being comfortable in your surroundings, knowing what you're doing and, you know, another big thing for apprentices, I think, is, you know, if you haven't got the experience and you're not sure, you know, maybe speaking up and saying, hey, can you bring somebody over that can show me how to do this or, you know, stand behind me and make sure I'm doing it right. Uh, there's, <clears throat> like you say, there's so much that, you know, I remember as a young guy, I was just, well, you know, you're going to look like a failure if you don't do it. So you're scared to, to fail. So. Yeah, exactly. I, f I felt the same way. And I think a lot of young guys feel the same way, young, young girls as well. And you, you got to stand up for yourself. You got to speak up and say, this is like, you have the right to refuse anything that you feel is unsafe in my mind. It doesn't matter where, where you are. I mean, I guess sometimes it matters where you are in the world. Um, but in my mind, if it, if it's going to present a danger to you personally, I believe you have the right to refuse to do anything you don't want to do if it's going to create danger for yourself, right? Um, 
and, and it's and, and I think young guys don't realize this because they don't young younger techs, especially the ones that don't maybe have um, people that depend on them. Um, as soon as, as soon as you have, like, as soon as I had kids, like my whole world changed, the whole way I looked at everything was different. Like the way I drove, um, how, how I worked, uh, how, how I bought groceries, (laughs) like everything changed. Right. (laughs) And and I think sometimes you need that in order to, to, to realize like, just like when I bought my first house and I had a mortgage, I'm like, man, I can't go out every weekend and with, with my friends and I have to be responsible. So there's things in life, there, there's goals in life that you get to. And when you get to those goals, like buy a house, have, have kids, every th- things change for you. And, and that's what happened for me is when I had kids, I became more conscious to, to, to my own life because I need, now I need to be here for somebody else. Now I can't be selfish anymore. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. So Sorry, go on. Oh, I said I agree with you 100% there. Yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah, for sure, man. And and the other thing that you wanted to, uh, you mentioned is just how, how the trade is is changing um, with technology. So we can get off the, the depressing part of the conversation. <laughs> but it's important. It's an important conversation to have. So it I'm sure glad is. We, I'm, I'm glad we had it. And, I, and I'm glad um, that people will get to hear that and, and hear the thoughts of two techs in their 40s talking about, the dangers in the trade and why when we're young, we should be making better decisions. But anyway, so going forward, technology in the trade and, and how it's changing. How are, how are you liking how the trade is changing in, in, in a more um, technology based way? Are you, are you enjoying it? Or are you seeing issues? Like how you feel about it? Uh, I'm enjoying it. There, there's nuisances. I mean, with all technology, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I have that make my life easier, though, too. I, you start talking about, like, monitoring systems and stuff. I mean, uh, that's a, a huge uh, technology that really helps out what I do, uh, being able to dial up and see what our name dial up, just be able to pull a phone up and uh, go to an app, and I can see cooler temps, freezer temps, uh, HVAC temps, you know, I got supplier sensors, return air sensors. I know pretty much what units at any location are doing. Um, you know, yeah, when, when, when we started, I mean, it was, uh, you know, I guess it was the code is the can of beer phase. And I mean, let's be honest, probably had, I don't know, $50 worth of tools and you could be, you know, be doing this job. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I think as a young apprentice, I think, you know, getting into the trade, you know, my Lord, they, uh, they could spend thousands of dollars really quick and on some of the stuff they don't need and some of the stuff they do. That's, uh, that's where I, you know, even with like Instagram following all the latest and greatest, you know, I get in that where do I really need that? Or, do I want it or, you know, how's that going to help me? How's that going to make me a better tech? And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of great things out there. Uh, I think the, you know, the new digital probes or the digital probes and, uh, 
probes and digital gauges, uh, you know, uh, the vacuum pump gauges. I mean, I can remember when I started, we didn't even have anything like that. Uh-huh. It's probably, you know, it's probably eight, nine, ten years. It was really once we got toward the 410A where we really started using vacuum pump gauges where they came out with them. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, now it's, uh, you know, uh, it's just an everyday thought to put one on. I mean, I, I'm sure, honestly, there's guys out there that don't. Old oh, timers that, you know. There's tons of guys that don't. <laughs> yeah. Ton, tons of them. The first time I put a micron gauge on a system was like 15 years ago. It was a Mitsubishi install. It was a city multi, and, and it was required at the time. I, I don't remember what micron level they wanted. I think it was like 350 or 400 or something like that. But that was, um, that was, I put it on that job, but for most jobs, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't put one on. Like I, I bought a, um, for that job, I actually bought a Supco micron gauge. It was like, I think a VG64. I, I think that might be the, the number on it. I can't remember, but mm-hmm. it's, it, was, it was like that, that, the one that people use as a flow through type, but you're not supposed to use it as a flow through type. You're supposed to cap one end off type thing. It, it, it was that style. Um, and that was my introduction to micron gauges, but I didn't really put it on systems like on compressor changes and until like, I don't know, three, four years ago really is when I started mm-hmm. to pay closer attention to, to, to all of this kind of stuff. Well, I mean, you know, when I started, I mean, if you were back in my in- installing days, I mean, we, you know, pretty much got it on vacuum pump before we went to lunch and we'd let it run for a little while after we came back and then it was good to go. You know, we used the quarter inch hoses. I mean, it was just that at the time there was no, you know, the technology just wasn't there. Uh, and I can think of, you know, still doing that, like you said, not too long ago. I mean, I think, uh, it was probably six years ago, five, six years ago when I started using one quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was times that, uh, you know, I've been on jobs like grocery store stuff to where, uh, you know, they don't even hardly pull a vacuum. That blows your mind. Um, you know, they so just, what are they doing? Pur- purging refrigerant? Purge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know, I think you know, which that's a whole different deal in itself. The whole refrigerator or the refrigeration on the grocery store stuff. Um, you know, I think sometimes that the guys that do that and HVAC sometimes, uh, you know, I got threw into this deal one time at a grocery store where uh, a train unit, uh, the tech had, was on his third compressor. And this was like in three months and train said, you know, got with the grocery store owners, their maintenance people. And they're like, you know, we're, we're going to warranty another compressor, but we want another tech there, you know, to see what, if there's something going on that this guy's doing because you don't lose three compressors. And, uh, 
That guy wasn't even pulling, you know, he wasn't even going to pull a vacuum. He's like, well, I'm just going to back purge like, like I do on the uh, rack systems. And uh, so we kind of talked for a little while. We ended up putting it on a vacuum and just left it overnight. You know, we didn't have a vacuum gauge or anything. Uh, none of the, you know, hoses that we have nowadays. Mm-hmm. But that compressor, you know, I never had another issue with it. I mean, we ended up taking over most of the HVAC for that grocery store uh, business after that. Cause they were there watching too, the maintenance guys. So. Yeah, yeah, it pays off. It pays off definitely to to make sure you're doing things properly, especially when people are watching you. Because if <laughs> it, it, it it's funny because you never know the knowledge of the person that is there watching you. They, they could be uh, a maintenance tech or a, or a maintenance guy for, for a grocery store chain that just pops up and does, does random things, but he could be a retired HVAC guy. You, you don't know. You have no idea. Right. And, mm-hmm. and we've ran, we've ran into a couple of those through, through some of our customers. Um, two of them, Two, two, two of the customers. We we don't have them anymore. Um, one of the one of the guys was uh, into HVAC, and then there's there's another one. I think it was an art gallery of some sort, or a school, or an art school, or something like that. And and the guy was he claimed to be an HVAC tech, and he was asking us to do something ridiculous, and it was starting to frustrate. I think our office and and the the guy that was going down there to do the maintenance. On every single PM, he wanted pressures, superheat, and subcooling taken of every of every circuit, even if it was running well, like mm-hmm. for, for all the rooftops. Every circuit he wanted superheat, subcooling, pressures taken. And for me, that's just not. I don't, I don't find that that right to do because as soon as you stick your gauges on something that's running well, guess what? Now you have now you have potentially um, contaminated the system with other refrigerant or oil or um you've removed refrigerant from the system like there's all kinds of things that can happen and and there's guys that don't remember to put their caps back on or if they put the caps back on now the schrader's been pushed down into press and it might be starting to leak slowly and i think you do more damage than than good by putting your gauges on every system especially if there's no problems with that with that system how do you feel about that oh i uh, totally agree with what you're saying um you know, I think even as like residential and commercial customers, when they call a company out, that's the first thing they think that a tech ought to do. Why, why aren't you putting your gauges on? And I think, you know, techs need to, instead of just following through and doing it, you know, they need to tell the customer, hey, you know, that's kind of the last resort. Uh, let's, you know, do some I mean, you can do some temp checks. You can do several different things before you think, well, okay, I've got a, really got a problem that I need to put gauges on. And uh, I kind of learned that from doing ice machines. Uh, I've used, for a long time, I used just a little stubby suction gauge uh, that I would throw on once in a while if I wasn't, you know, thought there might be an issue just to to get a, a pressure reading. And uh, that's... That's been a big thing that, you know, 
guys carry gauges with five foot hoses and, you know, they're going out there just to do a PM and, you know, they don't realize, you know, what, what they're doing to a system, you know, mm-hmm. year two might not be that big a deal, but year three, it's going to be low in charge. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how many times as, as a younger tech, I've walked up to systems that were low on charge and I couldn't not, I could not find a leak in it, could not find a leak. And I guarantee you it was from many, many attacks going by in spring and summer and throwing their gauges on it just, just for shits and giggles. Yeah. Well, and you know, the bad thing too, I mean, a lot of the reports for the uh, customers, I mean, you know, these PM, you know, that's, that's a big business thing in, in the trade is the PM contracts and they all have pressure readings and, you know, sometimes it just, you know, we're shooting ourselves in the foot for, for trying to do, do things like that. Mm-hmm. It'd be better just to have, you know, have your contract word worded in a different way to, there a, to where there's not having all those different charts to fill out. So. I, I treat, I treat, um, a maintenance as an inspection, as an inspection of the equipment and anything that, that needs to be done above that inspection is now chargeable because we have to quote maintenance is so tight because I've talked about this before is, is very cutthroat and there's a lot of competition. And if you don't, if you don't, um, price it tight, you don't get it right. So you, you need to go in and you need to do visuals and you need to understand how the equipment runs how it sounds what it what it's supposed to um be doing um i mean that that's the hvac six sense i talk about all the time is like looking at it listening to it um popping up on a roof and just having a look around and going well that's not right over there just because you know the building and and i find that that skill set comes very quickly and very naturally when you're not able to spend an hour per unit to look at it. Sometimes you only have like 10, 15 minutes per unit to look at it, but you can, if you get good at it, you can find a lot of things in 10, 15 minutes on, let's let's just take a five ton rooftop. For example, you can find a lot of things on a five ton rooftop in in five, 10 minutes. If if you're looking properly and you know how to check stuff, like you can Mm -hmm. find dirty coils, um, bearings, pulleys that are worn, um, faulty, uh, wiring contactors, you get a, you get a feel for the sound of the scroll compressor, put your hand on certain parts of it, um, put your hands on certain lines and, and feel them. And, and once you get a weird indication, Oh, there's something not right here. Then you call the customer or I do. And I'm like, listen, there's something wrong with this unit. I need to spend some more time on it, digging into it a bit more. And then I open up a job and now it's, it's a chargeable call. And that's how things get done, right? Oh for yeah, me, for me anyway. Uh huh. And I mean, your customer honestly is going to appreciate that, and that's you know going to create a lot of loyalty going forward. Yeah, yeah. You got you got to be good at picking out the issues and and knowing when something is an issue, and then relaying that 
to the customer and telling them why you need to spend more time on it. Right. You, you need to, you need to almost train your customer in, into knowing why, like, and that, and that, that's part of customer education. You, you need to educate the customer as to why, like if they get a bill for four hours, well, why did I get a bill for four hours? Well, this is why, because I had to do this. I had to do that. I had to wait um, and observe for a while, because if I don't wait and observe for a while, it could happen again when I leave. And then I'm back again, charging another four hours. <laughs> so now, you know what I mean, now it's double the time, but I caught it and I fixed it and now it's working. So that's why you paid the four hours because I want to do my job and I want to be diligent and I want to use the, the process that I've been taught and learned through my career to do things correctly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. That, uh, and that kind of brings into another deal of, you know, everything is a, a circuit board run world that we're in now, it seems, uh, you know, there's so many glitches, it seems like. Uh, I don't know about some of the stuff that you work on, but I mean, once in a great while, you know, a guy can spend five hours trying to get, you know, something to happen that, you know, won't till he drives away an hour down the road and then boom, happens again. Yep. Uh, some of this technology is great. Uh you know, the way some of the engineering features of it is awesome. But then again, it's a lot of hassle, uh, you know, troubleshooting calls of sensors and different things. Some of the uh, carrier stuff seems to have a lot of nuisances for, for me. I'm not for sure about you. I haven't worked on any new carrier stuff that's come out recently. I have minimal carrier, um, minimal, actually not a lot of equipment that's carrier that I take care of. And the ones that I do have, they're, they're older units. Um, and I don't really, <laughs> don't really enjoy, enjoy them. It's, it's the ones where you, you, you take the front panel off and you expose the condenser section and there and the compressor section and then there's the electrical right above yeah. it and everything's kind of jammed in there and I, and I find that those are prone to um getting snow in them like in the winter i don't know how many times i've gone to that style of unit and i've opened it up and i've opened that electrical compartment and it's just jam-packed full of snow i'm like how did it get in there i had to get by that panel and that panel <laughs> but it got in there <laughs> Like the snow does some incredible things in the winter time inside of units. It does. I had uh, a York unit once, 15 ton unit, and uh, in the heating department, part of it uh, totally filled with snow. And this was like a, it was like probably a 10 below day, which is rare for us. But, uh, you know, I actually got a bottle of nitrogen out and just actually blew all the snow out and everything and, you know, tried to dry it as best I could. And I don't honestly still know how something didn't fail. Because, I mean, it was, you know, there's four different circuit boards on that system. So, you know, I know another thing, I mean, we start talking about boards and things. I mean, uh you know, the variable speed drives and, uh, you know, 
especially for a package unit now. I mean, almost the controls for uh, some of these blowers have as, as many controls as the you know compressors and everything else does. Yeah, it's getting getting real complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talking about IG, uh, you know, Flintstone. He talks about reading the manuals, and I think that's something that a lot of guys, when they're setting package units, probably need to make sure they're at least glancing through and making sure they have the unit totally set up best as possible. That's what I find on a a lot of systems that uh, it was more or less just set up, powered up, turned on, and kind of people walked away from it. Uh, you know, the no fine tuning whatsoever. Yeah, it, it does happen. And, and I, I, I find sometimes when that happens, it's not always the fault of the installer or the tech, but it might be the fault of the company and saying, Hey, like get out of there, like land that unit, wire it up, start it and, and move on. <laughs> it, it happens. Like there's just, there's just, like I said, there's, there's a lot of cutthroat and a lot of competition and, because of that, we're, we're pricing things extremely low. Um, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with, with the, with the one man shows, like they'll leave a company and their overhead is very small because they don't have a lot. They don't have the office staff and they don't maybe have a big shop and, and they can compete at a lower, at a lower price point. And, and that kind of just drops, drops the price point for everything. It's, 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 mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. I don't know how you fix that, but it doesn't really help when the price of a, the price of a, a maintenance or the price of an install continues to drop. It doesn't really help the, the, the industry. No, no. And that's, you know, that's around here in this area. The residential is, is really that way. They, it's so cutthroat of, the continuous of, well, I'll do it a little cheaper then. I'll do it a little cheaper. Uh, now, I don't know, you know, going through the trade, my first, let's say, first uh, 12 years, that first job, all we ever ran was sheet metal. And then I went to my second job in this area. Everybody used duckboard. And you know, my first day on that job was like, well, uh, you know, they were showing me, you know, they were going out to job sites with the duck board and stuff. And I thought, well, you know, that, we always thought hacks use duck board. And I don't mean to offend anybody. Uh, but, you know, I just never really understood why until I started, you know, this is a bigger populated area I live in now. And, you know, it just it got undercut to that's all anybody could use to, you know, get the jobs. All right. So I'm going to end this one off. You guys that listen to that, if you guys have your own health regimen that keeps you strong and healthy and active and, you know, you, you just, you're energetic. You, you never have this drop in energy through the day. I would like to know. I like to learn this stuff. I'm, I'm all about learning, especially when it comes to the body and the mind of a human being and myself, because I'm a human being. <laughs> so if you guys have any tips um, that I can pass on or you can pass on to me, I would love to hear them. I'd love to hear how 
you're staying active and energetic and strong and feeling good about yourself during the day when it comes to the physical body. Anyway, guys, Dave, thank you very much for that conversation. Very enjoyable, but I'm out. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.